And we welcome you to Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ethan Maestri. And I'm Ryan Mazzocco. Each week, Ryan, we take an episode of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda and analyze it for the things that we liked and disliked about the Andromeda universe. Right. Well, most weeks. Most weeks. This one's a little different, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So we have concluded our review of the season two episodes. And so, like we did at the end of the first season... This is going to be our special review episode of Season 2. Right. And I think it's probably a little more necessary that we do this for Season 2. We actually kind of kicked around the idea of maybe just going ahead and skipping right on to Season 3. Yeah. Um, But, you know, as our listeners who keep up with us may know, uh, man, we really flew through Season 1. We sure did. And uh, then we really slowed down at Season (laughs) 2. Yeah. 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 Much like after eating a whole plate full of waffles. Right. Yeah. You can't, everything just kind of slows down after right. that. What would you know about that? Um, I had them for dinner now. Okay. Yeah. And I'm feeling a little <laughs> slowed down at the moment. Right. So we, yeah, we, we thought it would be a good idea if we went ahead and did a season two review episode as well to try to catch up everybody, uh, including ourselves, on just what happened in season two. Yeah. And, and it's not so much that we want to review the season uh, as a blow-by-blow and recount everything. It's just we wanted to hit the high points and kind of have fixed in our minds what we saw and and the changes that took place and now commit those to memory as we go forward. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. Okay. So I figure let's go ahead and get started. I've got a couple of fun facts. Okay. uh, As I usually do. Yep. uh, Before each episode. But I've got a couple tailored specifically for season two on the whole. And... uh, the first of them, the first of of them would be the commission tally. All right, I've been looking forward to this because we had this for season one, mm-hmm. and I, it was at thirteen or eighteen. I can't remember now. I, I want to say it was like eighteen. Wow, it was a high number Man. of commission alums that okay. appeared in the first season. Uh, so I had a chance to sit down and tally individual actors, guest stars uh, that we haven't seen in the first season that had also made appearances on the 90s television show, The Commission. Okay, so this is not including repeat exactly. actors yeah. that yeah. were in season this is, one. This is all new faces okay. that appeared on The Commission and have now appeared in season two of Andromeda. All right. Not including those that had already been counted in the first season. Okay. Because we have actually got some of our mainstream, our, our heroes, mm-hmm. our, our, the main crew. Uh, so I, I, I didn't think it would be fair to count them again. Okay. So uh, the tally, drum roll, please. Seven. Oh, that's kind of a letdown. That's <laughs> kind of a letdown. <laughs> but still seven. Yeah. Out of the 90s television show, The Commission with it Michael was like right out of Black Sheep, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. So anyway, yeah. Uh, seven of our guest stars, and we had quite a few uh, guest stars in this second season. Uh, I, I wanted to take just a couple of minutes and talk about two of them that have a little more uh, meaning, I guess, to you and I. Yeah, really. Uh, you and I, in this, in the course of watching the second season of Andromeda and reviewing it for the podcast, uh, somewhere in there, September, October, November, you and I both watched the Dark Matter television show yeah and after looking back at the guest actors i realized we had a couple of them Mm -hmm. that were on in that series in dark matter that's currently running uh in its second season now um anthony limke he played uh becca's uh oh schrodinger schrodinger's Schrodinger's cat cat. yeah Uh he played the 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 boyfriend the interest the love interest right the love interest con artist eh who's playing who we don't know yeah in a heart for falsehood framed and now he in dark matter he's playing three right yeah the character three who i happen to like a lot and yeah I, i didn't make that connection that he's in dark matter and andromeda until i went back and reviewed the guest star list looking mm-hmm. for commission lumps. Right. <laughs> and then I realized that guy's voice that he's familiar. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's in dark matter. So I thought that was really cool to, to look back on this season and, uh, and, and still see some of these guest stars, uh, still very, very prominent in sci-fi mm-hmm. today. And then to another one of the dark matter alums, Roger Cross, 
who uh, he appeared as Carter in the episode All Too Human uh, in Andromeda. He plays Six. Right. Uh, Interestingly, he was also in um, Continuum, which is a series that I also watched. That I have not, but yes. You 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 haven't watched it yet. Okay, and I've been recommending that you do. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I loved that series. It was really good. I, I... I blew through it so fast. Uh, I, it was addicting. I, you binged. I definitely binge watched that. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. And so yeah, he appears there as well. Yeah, he's a major character uh, throughout all five seasons of Continuum. Oh, it's only five seasons. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe I should have started there instead of the show I started into, because there's way more seasons <laughs> of it. But we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, others that we have uh, to mention: William B. Davies. The smoking man from X Files. Mm-hmm. Of course, we had him in Pitiless as the son, as the the doctor that interrogated Purple Trance. So, in your opinion, is he better at interrogating people or smoking? Um, you know, being that we get to see him do both in the X Files, not smoking in Andromeda, okay. but interrogating in both X Files and here, I think he might be. I think you might peg him as the interrogator. So more. that's his typecast. But now. he does smoking really well too. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't have to smoke in Andromeda. He didn't. He's versatile. That and way. he was still good. <laughs> yeah, right? he's, he's versatile. That okay. Way. All right. All right. Uh, moving on. James Marsters, obviously, um, uh, Spike mm-hmm. in the uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer series, uh, and, and here he shows up in Into the Labyrinth as Charlemagne Bolivar. Yeah. So so there it was nice to see. Uh, the the face of Elsbeth's uh, husband, right, and yeah. uh, it just goes to prove, goes to show that uh, beauty breeds arrogance. <laughs> so, yeah. So we had that uh, that those two, and then oh yes, and then uh, Christopher Judge uh, from the Night Death and the Devil. He played uh, Wrath of Achilles, um, and obviously Christopher Judge plays T. Elk. Now I bring him up. Well, one, he's he's a popular face. But mainly for me, because I did start watching the Stargate SG-1 series just recently. Um, I've seen enough of these actors' names in Andromeda. And almost almost every one of them, when I look them up, at some point they have played on SG-1. So it got me thinking, I need to watch SG-1 just so <laughs> I can you know, c- continue to see some of these familiar faces. And SG-1 was one of those shows that I never paid attention to. Um, but in the course of watching Andromeda and listening to other podcasts. Um, it's, I've, I've been drawn in. So I started watching SG one. And so T elk, uh, shows up in my Andromeda and in my Stargate and life is good. All right. <laughs> you, you've seen SG one. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you watched uh, it back in the day though. Yeah. I watched it back in first run. Um, I haven't really watched it much since then. Okay. I, I'd say really I haven't watched it at all since then. But okay. it was something that I always liked. I would stay up late to watch it. Yeah. 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 I can't tell you that much about it now because it's been so long. Right. So. Well, and it, 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 this kind of rolls into the last part of the uh, facts for the season two that I wanted to discuss. SG-1, Stargate SG-1 versus Andromeda back in the day when it was originally airing. In Oh, that was in Starcrossed, right? From season one? <laughs> Was it that you're referring to Michael Michael Shanks? Yeah, that was the crossover right? episode, wasn't it? <laughs> that was the crossover episode. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I still think they really whiffed on that one. <laughs> that was an amazing opportunity that they missed. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, it, anyway we're we're on season two now. Yeah, season so. two. Um, so, I want to I wanted to discuss kind of a touch on again actually because in our season one review we discussed discussed a little bit about Nielsen ratings and how Andromeda when it premiered did extremely well. It was almost right there with Stargate SG-1, which at the time was in its second or third season, um, and doing quite well itself. It was the top-rated sci-fi show of the day there in 2000. Andromeda was a very close second. And then in the second season, it premiered quite well because of the cliffhanger that the first season had left left us with in uh, its hour come around at last um, a very highly rated episode, and obviously with season two's premiere continuing that story with the widening gyre, uh, the Nielsen ratings were quite high, uh, and mid mid two two four two five, which was really good. Now SG one was into the threes and sometimes fours, 
uh, and consistently stayed there. But Andromeda was the second highest rated show of its of its time, especially at the beginning of, of season two. Now it dips toward the end of its uh, run in season two down to a two point two, and right at the end it hits a two point one. Um, and that's kind of sad because that's the highest it's going to be um, from now on. <laughs> uh, what happens in season three is it starts off around two and then drops off from there. By the time we hit seasons four and five, it's at one and then below, which is not good at all. Huh. So, you know, we've got, uh, I, you hate to say that the best days are behind us. But I guess that's kind of what I'm saying, as far as Nielsen ratings are concerned. Right. I mean, because the thing is, I I watched Andromeda all the time in its first run, and um, I guess it's probably my fault because I never reported to Nielsen that I was watching it. Yeah, I, I exactly. should have done that. You should have been yeah. doing that. I guess my vote mattered. You're bad. <laughs> it, that, that's on you, man. Yeah. Um, so from this point on, we're not even going to consider Nielsen ratings. Not in any kind of detail or any mm-hmm. kind of relevance to the show. Uh, what did you say? Nielsen is now... Uh, from now on, if we refer to Nielsen, we're just talking about the, the comedic actor from Airplane and... and uh... Who was Canadian also. Oh, was he? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that for sure. I think I heard that somewhere. Oh, okay. But uh, if he's not, well, you know, at least you got something cool, Canada, right. for a few minutes, whether it was true or not. Um, so, yeah, Leslie Nielsen. May he rest in peace. Mm. That's all I got for fun facts for okay. season two. Let's move all right. on. Uh, so I guess the next point that we wanted to do is kind of discuss the bullet points of the major things that have happened here in season two, the, particularly with regard to changes that we have seen take place throughout the course okay. of this season. Can I just say, I'm looking at your notes on the monitor here. Um, I had to laugh when you first brought this up because I really liked it. You're, you're heading for this next segment. Oh, uh-huh. the David Bowie reference. Yeah. Ch-ch-ch-changes. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to sing anymore. But... Okay. Well, I had my I had my couple of bits before we got started there. Okay. And now you've had yours. All right. So we're good. Okay. No more singing. No. Let's move on. No. Rev Bim. Huh. Let's talk about Rev Bim. All right. And we, I mean, we've talked about obviously, him a bit. Obviously, yeah, this is a pretty big change, obviously. I mean... I don't know how you can talk about season two and not talk about the changes with Rev Bim. I mean, we saw it right in front of our eyes. His horns are different. <laughs> I almost forgot that discussion. Yeah. And I didn't know you were going there with oh, that. Oh, was that not what you... No, were... that's not what I was, was where there, I was, was thinking there, you were Was going. there another change with Rev Bim um, in season two? A little bit later on. Oh, but, okay. But yes, he did change yeah. at the beginning of season two. Mm-hmm. Rather rapidly. Right. A little bit of a prosthetics change. Yeah. <laughs> so. As a result of trying to find something that worked better yeah. for Brent State. And, you actor. know, I mean, just sticking on that for just a second. The thing is, if, if you're watching this in first run, you've got the whole summer hiatus to forget what he looked like. Yeah, you're not So it's this. not until we watch them back to back, basically. Uh, and, and even then, you had to point it out to me. I didn't notice. I'm not very <laughs> observant. I don't know why I do this show. <laughs> Because I don't notice things. Well, but you've got opinions. Okay. So that's why that's why it counts. Well, everyone's got opinions. But... True. Um, so, yeah, we... we you know, And it's great, because we had a, a, the opportunity to talk with Brent State yeah. on air uh, mm-hmm. here with this podcast and interview him and get his thoughts and impressions about working on the show. He loved the show. He loved the crew. He mm-hmm. loved working with them. That much is obvious just in talking with him and in seeing it come through in his acting... When he's on camera. Right. He's still friends with some of them. Exactly. Yeah. Lives in the same neighborhood. And, you know, it's so gratifying to hear that because, you know, here we are 10 years down the road from when he exited. Well, more than 10 years since he exited the show. Yeah. And looking back on it, there's not a whole lot of information about what was going on with production in Andromeda. I mean, I'm, I'm scraping deep into the bowels of the internet to get nielsen ratings <laughs> that is a dangerous place <laughs> yeah 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 i've seen things <laughs> no not really you can't unsee you can't unsee right. no uh, i have information that you cannot be unknown <laughs> uh, no but it's your production behind the scenes production information is very very hard to come by and that's one of the reasons why we reached out to uh 
Ethley Ann Vare, mm-hmm. uh, and, and w- was able to interview her to kind of get some background as to what it was like putting this show together. In that void of information, that vacuum of information, you can kind of make things up. And the predominant thing that you see is when an actor leaves a show, it's because they had a falling out or something went wrong. Mm-hmm. It's been out there that Brent State left because of the prosthetics. Mm-hmm. How, is that real? Is that really what happened? Or was, is that a cover for he didn't agree with so-and-so on the show mm-hmm. or, or an executive producer or whatnot? And it was gratifying to know and to hear from him and to hear in, in, in when we talked with, with Lisa Ryder, too. And mm-hmm. in, in the sense that you get is that the crew was very close, the, the, the main actors. They, they enjoyed each other's company. And it was obvious that Brent enjoyed their company, too. But sadly physically he couldn't hold up right the costume was just too much the the hours were too long uh i remember i don't remember how early he said he had to get there in the morning oh yeah it was at least five hours before yeah, they could start shooting several hours before anyone else even showed up yeah so yeah and then <laughs> him him and laura bertram mm-hmm. sitting in the chairs next to each other getting getting their makeup mm-hmm. and their prosthetics added on uh what a way to start your day huh mm-hmm. yeah so rev m exits sad Honestly, the impact on the show, I think, is is rather profound. Yeah. We found, we've caught ourselves talking several times in subsequent episodes since his exit about how it just doesn't feel like certain things in the show would happen if Rev were there. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this for a while, too. It seems like a lot of times in a TV show, when someone does leave for whatever reason... It always seems like they bring in somebody else, a new cast member, to fill that void. Yeah. To to play whatever character type that that person was. Yeah. So you, you, you would think that they would have brought somebody else in to play sort of that advisor, that spiritual leader, to to have that presence there on the ship, yeah. in the crew, but they really never did. No, I mean, I think they're they tried to have other people, sort of, um, sort of try to take on that role a little bit themselves, maybe with trance, a little bit. I, I don't know, but I just don't. There's really no one filling that that yeah. spot. Yeah, now. and so yeah, and I I think like I mentioned before, there's a bit of a gap there, not being able to fill it, and and it it takes out. I think a lot of what Robert Hewitt Wolf originally intended to inject in there yeah. by having that sage centered character mm-hmm. and how the the crew could kind of rally around this individual and find some cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. Now, the great thing is I don't think the crew has lost its cohesiveness. It's just they're having to find it amongst themselves now with with him gone. Right. Maybe Maybe leaning on some of the lessons that they learned from him. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's gone, but he's not forgotten. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that happened. Yeah. Sadly, it did. Something else happened, too. Did it? Yep. Okay. Our our little our little purple princess. Yeah. Trans, trans Gemini. That's right. Something really big Co- happened. A couple of things happened in the season. Yeah. First thing was kind of a minor thing, but kind of... You know, kind of a big deal. I mean, it, it if was a it's, whale of a tail. If it's your tail, it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, her right. tail gets shot off. Yeah, so that was kind of the start of the disappearance of Purple Trance. Mm-hmm. And so in Ouroboros, uh, she she just full on gets replaced. Yeah, pretty with much. the same actress. Yeah, but in gold instead mm-hmm. of of purple. So, what's your feeling on that? I mean, first run. Okay, what was your first run impression when that happened? I was blown away. I mean, it—it's something you don't, you don't. I, I didn't see it coming. I mean, there—I don't remember every episode. There are a few things that happened when I was watching this in first run that, man, that sticks with you. You're never going to forget that, and that's one of those things. I got to know this character, Purple Trance. We didn't call her Purple Trance. She was just Trance, and then all of a sudden, she goes in. Her, uh, gold trance comes out and and that's the game from now it. on because because yeah. it's changed yeah it, it was a major change and 
Yeah, I mean, it did. It it really blew me away. Uh, now, going back over this second and third time, of course, I was expecting it. Um, it's kind of one of those things that I was all, almost anticipating, waiting for, just because it was such a big watershed moment. Um, I'm... I don't. I don't know. I, I guess. Do I want to? Which one do I like better? I mean, is that is that is that a fair question? Is that what you're trying to get out I'm, of me here? I'm. I'm just asking. How How did you feel about it when it happened? When, In which you Which you've a- answered that. Okay. Yeah. It was just total surprise. Yeah. Um. Now, I really didn't have an opinion. Okay. It was just like, wow, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Now I will ask. You, okay. Which one do you prefer? You know what? I'm going to give you the same answer that I gave you when we reviewed Ouroboros. I really can't pick one. They're they're both trance. It's just part of the evolution of her character throughout this series. Um, there's going to be more evolution of her character. Yeah. N- not as extreme, definitely. But it's just kind of one of those things. You just enjoy the ride. And, I mean, if you, if you hang on to, no, I liked Purple Trance better, well, then the rest of this series is ruined for you because yeah. you're not getting her back. Right. Oh, I hope I didn't spoil that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think we're, I think we're pretty, pretty much locked in with the group with the okay. gold now. All right. Um, and I'm, a, I'm a lot, I'm with you. Okay. Along those same lines. Uh, purple trances was cool and, mm-hmm. and fun. Right. And you kind of got, you, I got used to her, mm-hmm. but I kind of look back on it now and that's teenager trance. You know, what did uh, what did Lisa Ryder say? Laura Bertram was what nineteen twenty? Oh yeah, I think so. When she started mm-hmm. this show, and so you can almost view it, this is that's teenage trance. Okay, okay. So there's certain qualities and certain behaviors that are unique to that trance. And now that we've got a feels like mid twenties trance, a little bit older, more mature. Um, yeah, I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. I don't mind it at all. Uh, it's it is different, but it's still the same character. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I could take a either or. Yeah, I am. I'm a little disappointed as to the reason why it happened. Yeah, that you know, being disagreements behind the scenes, which, as we have alluded to in other discussions, we're probably going to be coming back to this as to the the validity of how that that character how that change was made to that character okay. and does yeah. it hold up it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. which we can get to yeah. in future episodes right in a couple couple more seasons at least so. okay yeah okay. alright so anyway uh, we got Gold Trance uh, Tears Tears of Baby Daddy wow yeah we kind of kind of got a sense that that could be coming down the pike yeah in season one mm-hmm uh, early, but, early in season, early one. in season one, yeah, mm-hmm. with double helix there. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. he's a father, mm-hmm. a faja. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, and that bombshell got dropped on us just right here in the last couple episodes before the end of the season too. So this is still kind of fresh, yeah. And obviously, that story is going to be continued in season three, or, or are they going to wait till way later? Well, I'll hold my tongue. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So that's another another big thing. Uh, let's talk about Harper. All right. And his character, what he went through, particularly with the first. We'll, we'll come to that in a second. Particularly with the first part of the season. Right. So Harper in the Widening Gyre basically gets a Magog death sentence laid right. on him. Yeah. Uh, he gets implanted with Magog larva or with, eggs or eggs. Right. Depending. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talked ad, ad nauseum mm-hmm. about right. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he spends the whole first half of the season mm-hmm. with a Magog infestation. Right. Yes. And then it gets fixed. Yeah. And that was good for him. Yeah. How do we feel? I, I, we haven't talked about, we talked about this a lot in the first 10 episodes or so of the second season. How do we feel now about Harper as a character? Do we feel like he's grown with this experience or is he still just the same old Harper? Uh, It just depends on the episode. He's just, he's one of those characters. They kind of make him 
He's the everyman. He is, and they kind of make him do whatever he needs to do or be what he needs to be in order to move the plot along. Yeah. Um, he's always a super genius that comes out with this amazing invention that who knows when he had time to work on it, but he but he does. <laughs> yes. And uh, And then as far as his character itself, he learns lessons and then he forgets them. But then later he remembers those lessons that he had learned and then forgets that he had learned them and forgets them again. But and, isn't that a lot like, uh, I sad to say it is, there are elements of that in my personality. All right. <laughs> I learn things and then promptly seem, it seems like I've forgotten them. And my son does that and it, it can be really annoying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think at this point, I've kind of come to peace with Harper just a little bit and the fact that that's who he is. But when it's most important and when it really gets, when the chips are down, um, chances are he's going to do the, the right thing because he wants to do the right thing. Or because he's pressured to do the right thing. He At times. He, he has to think about it. Okay, what does everybody else he, think the right thing is? He was going to blow the ship up just to take himself out. And that would have taken Trance and Rami also. That was an early episode okay. in season two. We had that discussion. Yeah. It seemed like a kind of a jerk thing to do. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't cool. No. <laughs> but he got talked out of it. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's a redeeming quality. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. that he, he always has to come around to it. Yeah. It's never just like, okay, we have Dylan, of course, who is always, he always knows the right thing. And he's always ready to do the right thing yeah. first. That's his first option, is do the right thing. Whereas someone like like Harper, which, okay, I'm going to go ahead and concede your point. He's he's like most people. You, you say you want to do the right thing, but sometimes the right thing is really hard. Yeah. Or you really just don't want it to do the right yeah. thing. <laughs> right. But it's got to be done. Right. Yeah. yeah, and so most of the time he's able to be coerced into doing the right thing. Yeah, even if it's within himself, he has to force himself, or somebody else has to say, "Harper, snap out of it! You're being a jerk." Yeah, <laughs> don't kill all of us just because you're mad. Yeah, yeah, just because you're gonna die doesn't mm-hmm. mean you can't take everyone else right. out with you. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so and we'll continue to see Harper's growth over the. Next three seasons, I suppose, too. Growth and regression. Growth and regression, yeah. Two, what is it? Two step, One step forward, two steps back. Yeah. <laughs> very, very much Harper's M.O. Uh, Dylan Hunt. Dylan Hunt had a few, a, 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 kind of a big change okay. that we got to visit. He got to visit his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren. Mm. And in the course of meeting that extended family, um, he got to make peace with his fiance. Now who had now been dead, what, 200 plus years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he got to make peace with her and let that part of his 300 year past go. Uh, and then promptly finds a girlfriend yeah. <laughs> very quickly after that. Mm-hmm. So Dylan Hunt has, it, it seems like by the time we get to the end of the second season, um, and particularly after Lava and Rockets, it very much seems like Dylan Hunt is now in the present. At least the the present that's depicted in in the show, right? Um, is that the impression that you get from him? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, there's always going to be things that's going to that's going to set him back. And we saw also in that episode he ran into um, Telemachus Rade, a descendant of Geharis Rade, who betrayed him, and uh, not only a descendant but the perfect genetic reincarnation. So we can see that that does happen, something that we've talked about with yeah, here. Yeah, we've heard allusions and, uh, to right? it. Right, yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, so that happens. But anyway, back to Dylan, though. Yeah, there are going to be these things that are going to set him back, that are, that are going to take him back to his old life. But I think you're right. For the most part, he is, um, I don't want to say comfortable or happy, but at least he's accepted where he is now. And he's able to, uh, well, he's able to date again. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Dylan. Dylan had some cha-cha-cha, some changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Becca, she doesn't do causes. 
until now. Right. And and we got to see that ex- explanation of why she didn't do causes with Bobby Jensen. Right. And that whole episode, that whole chapter in her life, we got to see that. I, I think we got some, some pretty good backstory with Becca, especially in that episode. Not one of my favorite episodes mm-hmm. um, at the time that we reviewed it, but nice to see the backstory. Yeah. Not just for her, with but with Harper a little bit, too. Right. And it just goes to show sometimes a an episode can be valuable without being that great of an episode. Yeah. And finally, uh, the the major thing that happened, the Commonwealth. Yeah. We got to see it established with the 50 Worlds Charter. Right. I think. I mean, is, is, that, is that what happened? Because, I mean... They, they had a party. They did. They had their little reception, and they had the 50 Worlds and everybody there. Um, they still haven't really set up any sort of central government, it doesn't seem like. So I don't, but it, it's in existence. It is, it is, and there's definitely a lot of things that they're they're doing already to use it, um, especially the Nietzscheans. I mean, yeah, yeah. Anytime, oh, they're leaning on yeah. it, yeah, hard, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but but I mean, it is a major step, though. We have right the systems Commonwealth, yeah, and, and is it's established, and it was cool because this isn't just a season two goal that's that's happened. This was the outset of the pilot episode, right? Or, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it was from the second part of the pilot episode. Yeah. And, and so now over the course of two whole years, we've seen them work toward this. And yeah, right. Some fulfillment. I do kind of have a question about this, though. I was thinking about this earlier. When or who exactly does Dylan and the crew of the Andromeda represent? Because it says that there are 50 signed worlds. Is Dylan and the Andromeda crew part of that? Are they one of those signed worlds? I think they're going to be akin to something like Washington, D.C. Okay, it's so like it's, they exist, but they don't really count, but they do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and, then, and it's not necessarily like they're in the leadership role. Mm-hmm. But, um... Well, I mean, at the, at the moment, they're they kind exceptional. Of, at, the, at the moment, they are, though. Well, yeah. There, there, I, really, is, that, there yeah. really is no central government. And right now, everybody looks to Dylan... True. Yeah. So maybe it is DC of the Andromeda universe. <laughs> I don't think the crime rate's high enough on the Andromeda, but <laughs> so is there some uh, Android on Android crime going on there? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> In the bowels of the ship. Yeah. Artificial lives matter. <laughs> right. I, wow. Now that you say that, I've, that feels like that should be a topic. What? Did, where did season two leave us with the whole artificial intelligence thing? Okay, we got to segue into that a different way, because that can't make the show. No. <laughs> no you're, you're right. You're right. Oh, man. that's a, That will make the show a whole lot longer than it needs to be. So let's just move on then uh, and, and kind of wrap up our discussion here of, of season two. Um I thought it would be nice to talk about who we missed from season one okay. that we didn't get to see from season one. Okay. And, and the couple that I had here that I thought of, first of all, the consensus of parts. Yeah. This yeah. just seems like a, a, a power, an entity. Um, I would like to have seen it mm-hmm. weave its way into the storyline a bit more. Sadly, it's not happening. No. Um, someone else. Uh, Gerontix. Ugh. I miss Jaren. Don't you miss Jarentex, Ryan? You know what? I miss Jarentex like a bamboo shoot going under my toenails. Ouch. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's safe to say no. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, we'll move on from that then. The last thing I wanted to mention is what happened to the Magog World ship? Oh, I mean, you know, it's still out there. It's it's flying around. It's it's um, it's being repaired right now. So we're still having to wait. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we haven't forgotten about it. No, that's what they were building Rosie for. That's yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. And we did get some, uh, a little bit of uh, Abyss. The season yes. two wasn't yes, we real did. heavy with the spirit of the Abyss, but we did get was some. Was that Labyrinth? Into the Labyrinth? Uh-huh. It was, wasn't right. it? Right. Yeah, that's true. So we do know that that thread is still there. Yeah. So right. we just didn't really talk about it a whole lot. You know, I mean, the thing is, that's still so many millions of light years away right now 
I mean, honestly, it really kind of makes sense that they're not constantly battling with this or having altercations with the Magog and the world ship and the abyss and everything, because it's a long way off and they've got something else that they've got to do right now. Right. They've got to get prepared for that. Cause I mean, we saw what that world ship was like and the power that the spirit of the abyss had. They're not ready. I mean, they get no. into another, another fight with that thing. I yeah. Mean, you're going to have to be talking Harper into doing the right thing. Yeah. Tears got his own, you know, Galaxy domination with his son thing going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. There's some there's some fissures that need to be sealed up first. Yeah, yeah. All right then. Uh, anything you miss from first season till now that? Um, or are you good? Flash. I oh, need, I need more flash. We need a, we need a flash fix, don't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Where's and and Uncle Sid? Where's Uncle Sid been? Yeah, I don't I'd know. like to see me some more of Uncle Sid. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we will. Who maybe, knows? maybe we'll see what happens in season three. Then, uh, so anyway, yeah, let's move on from that. Uh, let's wrap up our discussion here. Okay, uh, season two. Um, you suggested let's do best worst. Oh, I love best worst of well, anything. Let's you talk know, about it's... best worst then. All right, uh, we're doing best worst of Andromeda season two. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I mean, I got a whole bunch of them that I can do. Okay. Different different things. All right. Let's start with best then. Give give me your best. Oh, we're gonna do best. All right. You or, know what? Or do you feel like we should start with worst? <laughs> I I think we should do worst. Okay. And then end on the positive note. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. You're one of those people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. All right. Um. You know what? I mean, if I have to, I can narrow it down to one. Um. I'm just gonna say season two had some real clunkers. <laughs> it did. Uh. It. That's not saying anything bad about the show or season two, because really I thought season two was pretty no, solid. Because I want to get any, ahead of myself. Any of our shows yeah. that we like, yeah. you can pick out the bad episodes. They're not hard to spot. Right. I mean, you know what? I'm just going to say it right here in case anyone doesn't know. There's some pretty bad episodes of Star Trek The God, Next Generation. Said, I thought we were going to get through this without talking about Star Trek. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wasn't going to let that happen. I'm oh. looking at the time over there saying, has, has anyone said Star Trek yet? No. <laughs> I need to break this open. We've got a separate clock with a separate <laughs> countdown up here in the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, there were some that were just the prince was bad. Um, lava and rockets was bad. The fair or the things we cannot change was bad. The clip show. Yeah, yeah, but it but it was bad because it was a clip show. It was bad because it was a clip show, and I will say about the things we cannot change. Looking back on it now, having not watched it for a couple of months, it doesn't seem as bad as we reviewed it now. Now I'm sure if I went back and watched it, it would be just as bad. But I'm thinking about some of the things that it was kind of cool as far as just how everything was kind of abstract. Um, you don't really know from Dylan's point of view, is he going crazy? Is this real or is that real? And just any of those, just any of those kinds of shows that can kind of mess with your head or mess with your character's head is kind of fascinating. It was very poorly done. So not, yeah, because, and I will interrupt now because you mentioned abstract. Okay. And that's, that can be cool if executed properly. Right. I think it was so poorly executed that abstract ends up being pointless. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it was. It was a very disjointed episode. Um, all of that said, I'm not going to call it my the worst episode. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Lava and Rockets. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I just... The thing is, like, with... With the things we cannot change, I talked about it a little bit because I thought there were some very, very small redeeming qualities to it that I could talk about. Lava and Rockets, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, we both reviewed that one pretty poorly. Yeah. All right, let me go with mine then. Um, I wrote down two episodes, and you can probably guess them. Okay. Uh, the first one I wrote down was The Prince. Okay, yeah. <laughs> The second one I wrote down was Lava and Rockets. Yeah. So I think we're in pretty much total agreement on what the the, the bottom two rungs mm-hmm. of the 22 episode season two, um, where, the, where those were at. And yeah, I mean, Lava and Rockets is 
number 22 on my list. All right. All and right. then The Prince is 21. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? The Prince tried hard to be a decent episode. Yeah. I There again, I think it's the same problem that you talked about with the things we cannot change. There's the start of a really good idea there. And it could be taken somewhere if it's executed properly. But the execution fails it right and then not not a couple on top of bad execution really bad cgi yeah <laughs> yeah and, that was. and so that would land bad that costumes bad costume choices uh, yeah. oh yeah and you know the thing that's i didn't talk about the prince and but i i'm ranking them the same way i don't know why i talked about the things we cannot change so much Maybe because secretly, deep down, I actually liked it, and I don't want to admit it, but I don't think that's it. Um, the Prince, it was the same thing for me. It was just, it was bad from the start to me, and I just, I never, ever, ever got interested in that story. Yeah. Um, with the things we cannot change, at least when I was watching it, I'm trying to figure something out. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. With The Prince, Your, I'm your just, brain was working. Yeah. yeah. With, the, with The Prince... I'm just waiting for it to be over. <laughs> uh, and okay. and having said that, even more so with Lava and Rockets. Well, it was worse. Yeah, it so we worse. can agree, Lava well, okay, and Rockets. So, so why, why, I mean, because you, you've, you've spoke several times about how bad the Prince is. Yeah. And you, you have, we, we both have just now gone into, into details as to why that's the case. What is it about Lava and Rockets? That for you is the just the absolute. This is a mindless episode. Andromeda is not supposed to be a romantic comedy, and I feel like that's what we got. <laughs> yes, um, I still remember our conversation when we reviewed that episode. Um, it was uh, the the writing team Ashley, Ashley Edward Miller and Zach Stentz wrote that, and I remember you said to this point we haven't seen them do a love story, and I said. I still don't think we have. <laughs> it's true. You did say that. Uh, I, it seems like that's what they were trying to do. Why Dylan and this girl, I don't even remember her name anymore, but why Dylan and blonde girl just instantly just fell in love. I'm not buying it. It just, the whole thing was forced. No. And in the story itself, just jumping on a cargo ship and, and getting away from it. I mean, there was a pretty cool villain that was introduced there. And we get the we're introduced to the origami, the little paper geese things. Um, sort of like that, except they're an entire monoculture of mercenaries. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 I remember them now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess that's kind of cool if that's a thing, you know. But if it were to re reoccur in the show, sure. then you have something to look back at and say, "Oh, that's the episode where we got them." Right. So that made Lava and Rockets an important episode. But have we seen them yet? Uh, I don't think Again. so. Again, no, not that I recall. Okay, so uh, lava and rockets. Other than Dylan getting some action, no redeeming value at all. And that's our take. Yeah, on that episode. No, I, I've got nothing. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 spot on because I, I rem remember that conversation also, mm -hmm. and it was the fact that it was a love story that was so utterly devoid of anything that made it a good story. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not because we're opposed to love stories. I mean, look at uh, the banks of the leafy, right? right. That yeah, was a tragic like love story. Mm -hmm. Fantastic episode. Yeah. Yeah. You're this right. was just too, I don't know. It should have been Hugh Grant in this. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So that's our worst. All right. Lava and rockets. Yeah. Hands down. The worst episode. Agreed upon yeah. by your two podcast hosts. Right. So, let's move on to the best. Then. All right. What is your best? Best was a little bit harder because there was a lot of... Um, there, was a, there were some pretty big high points in there season two. strong here. episodes here. Yeah. Um, I really cared for uh, Last Call to Broken Hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you didn't care for it very much, but I, I liked Immaculate Perception. Yeah. That might surprise you. Um, I just thought it had a lot of value. Because Immaculate Perception almost made it into my worst list. Well, I, know, I, I just... Because I, there were some egregious 
I know. <laughs> I know. And we talked about that. We don't that. need to rehash it. Yeah, right. we talked about that. But I just felt that it had a lot of things that were very redeeming. Okay. Um, in spite of some of the bad things. Right. But I guess if I got to if I gotta pin it down to just one, and maybe this is predictable, um, I'm, I'm going to say Ouroboros. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make this short and sweet. I wrote down Ouroboros first. Okay. Because to me, that is hands down. It, it is the episode in which maybe the whole series pivots. Yeah. Now, I'm saying that from my perspective of not having seen the rest of the series. But considering the major changes, all the major changes that we talked about major happened. <laughs> uh, all of those major changes happened in that episode that we talked about as arcs that we see through the whole season. Mm-hmm. Harper. The whole first half of the season turns at Ouroboros. I can't say it. Ouroboros. Purple Trance to Gold Trance. That happens in Ouroboros. Mm -hmm. Rev Bim leaving. That happens in Ouroboros. That is the linchpin episode of of this entire season. So, yeah. And and it's good, too. Mm -hmm. It's a little mind-numbingly twisted at times Mm -hmm. (laughs) with, with them going in and out of the different portals and looking back in time and forward and all of that stuff, but it's still, it's very good. And Mm -hmm. it was well executed. I thought, Mm -hmm. um, so that to me is the best episode. If you were going to recommend any out of the season. Now, a personal favorite of mine, I'm just going to mention is the night death and the devil because fleet, (laughs) you know, the Commonwealth Mm -hmm. gets its fleet and, Michael Hurst as the guest actor uh, Clar- of Clarion's Call. Uh, one, it, it, he was a fun actor, guest star to watch. I enjoyed watching him and his character in the course of that episode. Uh, it had Christopher Judge in it, which I mentioned earlier, and that was cool to see. But I think it was a, a great episode because it gave us so much to talk about from AI and and just speculative, like, what's happening on the Clarion's call, you know, <laughs> yeah. and speculating on what's the impact going to be of a, of a casino ship running the fleet now, right. you know. What's going to happen to Ryan. Right. And, when his, and while, yeah. we, while we didn't, in principle, agree with where the show left us at the end of it, it was still a fun episode to watch, and it was a fun episode to discuss. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, that one kind of stands out in my mind right now as as kind of my personal favorite episode, The Night, Death, and the Devil. I just remember that they left the fleet behind. <laughs> right. That was, they didn't that actually... was a sticking point for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's our, that's our best and worst. Yeah. So I guess the last question that we have to wrap up our discussion here of Season 2. What did you think of Season 2? I liked it. I think there was a lot of uh, payoff, some of the things that we learned in season one, and we were uh, anticipating, and we got answers, and we also got more questions, which is good, because now I'm going to anticipate season three. If season two isn't able to do that for me, then it's kind of a pointless season, Um, but I felt that it did. Um, It did all those things. It was entertaining. There were a few of those... We picked on on the clunkers. Yeah. We picked on the worst of season two. And you know what? Those were bad. <laughs> but I mean, if if three out of 22 is bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I'm going to give this uh, two thumbs up for season two. Okay. Yeah. Um, you can say that. With a perspective on all five seasons. Okay. I only have two seasons now to look back on. Right. And I'm not going to say this season is better than season one. No, I didn't say that either. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and and just from my perspective, season one was a stronger season. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that's where the bulk of the world building took place. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of things, a lot of heavy things that got thrown discussed and and backstory and 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 we got more of that in the second season but i just don't feel it's as strong as the first season Mm -hmm. that said i'm right with you there was a lot of entertainment in this season and i enjoyed going through it and i enjoyed looking back on it um we haven't talked about any of 
about our discussion of the Codex in Robert Hewitt Wolf's involvement in the first part of this second season and then it not being there in the latter half. And in our private conversations, Mm -hmm. I know I had mentioned a time or two, I don't know if I'm going to like the series as much with Robert Hewitt Wolf's influence removed. I can sit here now and say, I I don't really notice the difference. Mm -hmm. There were some major character changes, and maybe some of that happened because of Robert Hewitt Wolf's exiting. Uh, but I don't think it takes away from where the story was going. I will say this. Some of the changes, like to from Purple Trance to Gold Trance, makes it a lot easier for us to sit here and talk about the show now and not have to be uncomfortable about it. <laughs> okay. Considering where some of the characters were going to be going or how their story was okay. going to be developed mm-hmm. uh, from its creator's point of view to you know where it ended up being with mm-hmm. those that took over. Uh, and so I can sit here at the end of season two and say, I was entertained, I enjoyed it, and yeah, I liked it. Okay, so hey, that's our that's our best and worst and our thoughts on season two. If listeners, if you have any thoughts that you'd like to contribute to this discussion, your best and worst, anything that you think about the second season, or the first season, or anything else that's related to the Andromeda universe, let us know. Ethan, how can they get a hold of us? Uh, you can send us an email at drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on the social media, Facebook and Twitter, using the handle at AndromedaPod at both of those places. Our home is on Podbean, www.andromedaseries.podbean.com. There is a tip jar there if you should feel so inclined. And if you listen to us on iTunes, we'd certainly appreciate a review or leave some stars. Thank you. And so next time, Ethan, what are we going to do? You want to go ahead and move on to Season 3? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So join us back here next time as we go ahead and we dig into Season 3, the first episode, If the Wheel is Fixed. Mm -hmm.